And so the story begins with a beautiful, heavenly butterfly named Hallie Grace. Butterflies represent colors, joy, and change, and this story has it all. Hallie Grace was born with a rare genetic connective tissue disorder called junctional epidermolysis bullosa. EB is often called the worst disease you've never heard of. Although her earthly trip was short, her journey continues to fly high. Honey butterfly Welcome to the Grace, Grief, and Grit podcast. I'm Dee Daniels, and I am very excited. We are finally back right after the ball. Um, we haven't talked to you podcast listeners since we had the fantastic annual ball. Um, of course, all highlighting Hallie Grace and, and talking about all kinds of wonderful things. And we had such a good time. And our last episode before the ball was actually with Joe. It was the dad episode. And now I'm very excited um, just a short time after the ball, we were having the mom episode. Um, so Anne is with us on this episode and, and we're just, we're having a very intimate and one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I'm glad we're having this. We've been talking about having it for a little while now. And I think, I think, you know, we're going to, let's catch up a little, um, yeah. and, and tell everybody what's been going on. But at the same time, I think, you know, let's just lean into what life has looked like, you know, in the past several months. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Why not? Uh, first, let's talk about how fantastic the ball was. It was so much fun. It was amazing. And I know that might be hard for some people who were not a part of it to understand yes. because we are certainly remembering yeah. and still just lifting high the spirit of Hallie Grace, but at the same time, we had a lot of fun. It was super fun. It was super fun. I think that's one of the things I want people to know about the ball is just that um, it is both, right? Like, I mean, we can honor and fundraise and do all the things, but also have a good time doing it. Um, we had amazing food this year. There was a great DJ. Um, Hallie and Jay are musicians from Nashville who come every year over there and they gave a great performance and we did the butterfly release and all the things. Um, great silent auction. I mean, it was just fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I, I think, so this was the second mm -hmm. annual yeah. ball. And how did that from your perspective, how was it different? How did it feel different for you? I mean, the first, obviously, oh my goodness. Right. The first <laughs> was the first. very fresh, right? Yeah. yeah. How, how was, how was it different for the second? Um, the first one I think was a lot of support from family and friends, um, which is great and kind of expected, I guess. The second one was much more of the community at large, which is exactly what we're going for. Obviously, we still want our family and friends involved. We want them to come and enjoy and support. Right. But part of our mission is awareness. And so if we're just catering to the same people every year, it's not going to be what we really need it to be. So mm -hmm. this year was definitely much more community involvement. Um, I had planned on planning it much further in advance this year, but because I became unexpectedly pregnant with Evan, that fell to the wayside. And so I was planning it last minute again. So that part was very similar and stressful. Um, 
But otherwise, I just felt like it was a totally different ball. In fact, we even had uh, the CEO of EB Research Partnership show up. And so just getting to have that support from the bigger charity. And we also had um, donations for our silent auction from Deborah of America and EBMRF. And so like all three of those larger organizations partnering with us this year just made it feel um, much bigger. And I really felt Hallie would be super proud of what happened. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I really do too. And, and I, you know, I mean, I know certainly you did, but as I, I just, I felt her presence there at the ball. Yes. And I felt it in a different way than I did the first year. Yes. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I don't know if you experienced oh, totally. something similar or what, but. It was much more, um, I'm going to say this and it's going to probably come off wrong. It felt a little bit more beautiful this year. Mm. I feel like the first year was just more bittersweet and hard because it was the first year and it was so fresh. Obviously it's still bittersweet and hard in a lot of ways, but I could feel her pride more this year. Mm. I Maybe it was there the first year, but I was so drowning in everything that like, it wasn't as obvious this year. I felt like, wow, this is our second year doing it. Like this is real. We're actually making a difference. Um, and I went into it with very low expectations this year, actually, because family and friends had dropped off. I was thinking, okay, well, we're going to make our goal like $10,000. Whereas the first year we raised like close to 18. I didn't want to like make this huge thing that I wasn't going to reach. And I got a little shy about it. Right. Um, but we went over it. I mean, we got over $24,000 in wow. our second year, wow, wow, wow. which is just like gives me goosebumps. Right. Still. That's amazing. <laughs> I still can't believe it. Um, and so I really felt like we were doing some good in her name mm -hmm. and celebrating her. It was much more of like a celebration of her life. Um, grief is obviously still underlying all of that, but it did, it felt a little lighter. Yeah. 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 I get that. You know, and it, it's something that I felt too in the second year. I, I really felt like the path before you laid before us. I feel like the path sort of opened up a bit. Yes. There was something about the mission and the goals and, and the work that needs to be done with EB, uh, which if you're just jumping on this episode is epidermolysis bellosa. And I, I just, something about the path that opened up that became, things became a little more clear. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, just as a organization, uh, the first year we had literally just become official as Heroes for Hallie Grace, the nonprofit. Um, and so really didn't know what we were doing <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, I feel like this year, like I could feel the organization itself grow. And like, I do feel clearer about our path, our mission, what we need to be doing, um, how we can best help. We actually have streamlined our mission, I guess, is kind of a way of putting it. It's a great way to put it. We now know that it's about awareness and funding, but our specific niche is connection. Yes. And I've really kind of leaned into that. So we do all three and all three are obviously very important. Um, but there's a lot of organizations doing the first two, mm -hmm. uh, not enough, but still more than just us. Yeah. Um, but I feel like our wheelhouse or our strength is that connection with the EB community, with families who need us. Um, and I feel like that's where Hallie would be really proud. Oh, totally. 
Would you be um, comfortable sharing a couple of stories of connection that you have had with other families? Because I think, I think this is where that specific wheelhouse rose to the top because you are experiencing these things one-on-one with other families worldwide, not, not just like right here in Savannah, Georgia or anything like that. It's literally like the family that's in need, you are having connection moments with them. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I have to say first, I mean, I think if you're just jumping on, you might not know this, but I'm a psychologist by trade. And so my just natural strength, I think like I've just always been led to connect with people. And so that's just what I do well. And I didn't realize how much I would need it in this until I started connecting. Mm -hmm. So one of the main things that we do are these memorial boxes that I've talked about before. The responses that we get to that uh, from these other parents who call, text, email after the box arrives, and they just say that they dissolved into tears because they know that their loved one was still remembered by somebody else and that they were thought of. And it's such a personal gift. Like that's obviously one way that we connect that's huge. And I'm so proud of that, that we do that. I actually love putting together the memorial boxes. Um, I hate that we have to, sure, but I love that we can. And then a couple of times there have been families going through things, um, either similar to what we went through or kind of on a different path in EB, but our knowledge and our journey can be helpful to them in a, you know, this is what we did, take it or leave it kind of thing. But like just letting them know that they're not the first ones to go through it. They're not alone. There's somebody walking with them through it hand in hand if they want to. Uh, One specific story lately, um, actually just like a couple of weeks ago, I would say like end of August, you know, we have our website, hallieflies.com, and there's a way to email us on there. And one day I was checking my email and I saw this email come through. And normally the emails are, you know, I love what you do, or I planted a Hallifly or, you know, some nice, beautiful thing. But this was from a new J-E-B mom. Um, and she just said, you know, I found your website. I just had a baby. Uh, is there any way that we could just chat? And so I immediately texted her as soon as I saw her email because um, she put her phone number in there and I texted her and just said, hey, this is Ann Davis. You know, do you want to schedule a time for a phone call? And we were on the phone about two days later for over an hour. <laughs> and ever since that call, she's family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, We both actually held it together pretty well throughout the phone call until the very last minute um, when we both completely dissolved. (laughs) And I told her, like, we're bonded for life. And that's that. Um, Her baby has since passed away. Mm. Um, And so I have sent some things for the family. Uh, I actually tried to rush to get a box there in time, but didn't quite make it um, just because it all happened so fast. And now I have a second part of that box that we're sending since he has past, but we've stayed in touch. Uh, I'm available to her anytime she needs to talk. We talk about the experience. We talk about what it's like now in the quiet. Um, we talk a lot about searching for them still in our lives and wanting to see those big neon signs that don't always come at the time that you want them. Um, so really just being completely open and vulnerable with each other. Um, and I really do care so much about her and her family. I actually get emotional talking about it. If 
but it was such a powerful connection for me. It was like knowing that Hallie is still impacting in so many ways and being able to help even just one other person know that they're not alone and have somebody to talk to like that made everything worth it. Yeah. I have a couple of questions around that. First, um, I just want to jump to the the boxes, the memorial boxes for a second. Yeah. So super special. Uh, I know that we've detailed the those a little bit, but how much would it, how much does it cost you to put together one of those boxes? And if someone wanted to say, I'd love to fund mm-hmm. one of those boxes, I'd love to fund five of those boxes, 10 of those boxes. What, what's the price tag on that? So usually they run about 250 a box and they just include some very, there's some more generic things that are obviously butterfly related, um, but just kind of comfort items that we put in there. And then I actually get to know each family individually and I find out, you know, how they want their loved one's name to be listed and the birth dates and transition dates and some favorite photos and that kind of thing. And then I go on places like Etsy and I find more personalized items. Um, if there's siblings involved, I figure out what the siblings like and I include some toys for them. Cause I remember when Hallie died, the people that sent something for Brielle actually were so special to me because she was already struggling to be included and, I know that the sibling relationship can be so hard as well. So I always want to include them and figure out something for them as well. And I just kind of learn like what might be best for the family. So there've been things where I'll include if the person is still living and I want to send them a box for something, I'll include like a medical journal that they can like keep track of everything for siblings. I've included, you know, specific types of toys, journals, jewelry, um, in fact, recently I have these little stuffed animals that intertwine. They like hug each other and each animal has one of the siblings names on each. So Aww. it's like the big sister and the little brother. Aww, that's cute. Yeah. Just something to, and then like frames, you know, I mean, I really take my time and try and put it together in such a way that they know it's coming from my heart to theirs or our family's heart to theirs. And so, yeah, about $250, which would include like the box to ship it in, which is a really nice fabric box. And then the actual shipping price and everything like that. So I try and keep it pretty reasonable, but obviously that adds up. And unfortunately we've had to do quite a few of them recently. Mm-hmm. So that's never a good thing. It isn't. And, and the more that you are out in the public and in the community, and the more that you connect with some of the bigger EB organizations, mm-hmm. There is this um, just awareness of who you guys are. And when you put out the um, welcome mat of connection mm-hmm. and you say that, you know, we're here for you and 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 that's fantastic. The more people are coming to you yes. for things. And so yes. the need as the awareness rises, the need rises, you know, and the demand rises. Yeah. And it's all very unfortunate, but you know, at the same time, you know, we're talking 200, $250. You can, you can cover one of these memorial boxes and yeah, I mean, bring somebody comfort. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. (laughs) The, the, our name has definitely started to get out there in the EB community, um, which I love. Um, I just obviously hate to see that we need so much of this, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it is so rewarding to be a part of that. And mm. so if anybody wanted to help out with that, that is definitely one easy way that, yes. you know, somebody could help out our organization and a family yeah. in need. Yeah. And, and that's going to go such a long ways. Um, the other question I had around that and you sharing your, your memories and stories of connection there was, I'm just curious when you are talking to a family that is obviously in a, a whirlwind of, yeah. of all kinds of emotions and things going on. Are you wearing both hats? Are you wearing that therapist hat and mom hat? Are you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I think I'm mostly wearing the mom hat. Mm. I mean, I think my therapy skills are not silenceable. Like I, you can't, you can't I can't turn them off. Them off. No, it. I can't yeah, turn them yeah, off completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I do think that the mom hat is the bigger one. It actually can be incredibly triggering. <laughs> Sorry. No. <sighs> you got to blame this side for asking you hard questions. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, for instance, in that phone call that I was just talking about, which is just one of the many connections we've made, but one that is really standing out to me. Um, that mom was so understanding and, and asked, you know, am I able to ask you anything? Like, are you okay talking about this? And we talk about Hallie a lot, right? I mean, we do the podcast, we have booths at expos and we do the ball and we give speeches. And uh, I love to talk about Hallie. Joe loves to talk about Hallie. Brielle even loves to talk about Hallie. Um, she's a part of our family and we talk about her every day. But there is something different when your heart is simultaneously breaking for the person on the other end of the phone because you feel their pain and it brings you right back to the pain that you felt. <sighs> so of course I told her she could ask anything and I'm glad she did. And I was as 1000% honest as I could be. Um, and I actually think I kind of validated some stuff for her um, because when you're an EB parent and every kid is trial and error, you question everything that you do as a parent. You wonder if there's something you could do better. And I'm hoping anyway <laughs> that I was able to validate her and let her know what an amazing mom she was being. But it forces you to remember some really hard stuff. And it's all worth it. And I will treasure that conversation and this new EB family member that I met that day. I just hate that we all have to go through it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is so, so tough, but it is the best way I can continue Hallie's legacy at this point. And I'm so glad that we get the opportunity to do that. It's both. It's both. You know, we both. talk about that a lot. Um, allowing yourself to have all the emotions to experience all of the things, you know, what is that like? you know, to, to give yourself permission, yeah. you know, to, to, to not only, uh, you know, like we were talking about, have such a fun time at the ball, yeah, but to also know and say and feel how awful and stupid and <laughs> sucky yeah. it is that we're even, even having to do this. Yes. Ball. Yes. And to really experience yes. both. Of, and that's what I'm hearing from you, you know, on the 
on these moments of connection with, with other family members who are unfortunately awfully going through these things. Yeah. How great it is for you to be there and be a resource and share and be vulnerable. But at the same time to know, like, this is just stupid yeah. and awful. I hate it. I yeah. love it. And I hate it. Like I love the opportunity and I'm glad we're doing something, but goodness, I hate that any of us are in this position. I mean, there were moms that were and still are there for me. And I'm sure they feel very similar. I wish that nobody knew Hallie's name other mm. than our neighbors and our friends. Mm. Right. Like I wish right. that she was just growing up with us and we had a normal childhood and we didn't have to get involved in these huge organizations. And that, I mean, we get to know so many amazing people through this, right. That are doing such great things. We have incredible opportunities. Um, We've had shout outs from celebrities that are fabulous people and trying to help and all that stuff. And so these are opportunities that like in moments I feel glad and excited for. And I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm making Hallie so proud and this is fabulous. And then like when I really step back and think about it, I'm like, I hate this. Right. This sucks. Absolutely. Like, I, I want her just here. Yeah. I, I wish we were doing a podcast about something <laughs> different. Totally different. Yes. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, yes. and, and I know that like, I, I would hope that our paths would have crossed in life of course, you know, for some other reason. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we met at a networking event and right. And you were at a networking event because yeah. of what happened in your life. Trying and to raise awareness. It's like, it's crazy. It. And right. It's like gratitude, anger. Yeah. All of it. All of it. All, all at it. one time. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. And it's like, I think people just don't talk about that enough. Like, it's okay to have both. It's okay. We've talked about this in multiple other facets. But, you know, when you're doing any sort of nonprofit work, you get so excited. Like, oh, my gosh, we raised over $24,000 in one event. That's incredible. We get to donate to all these bigger organizations. We get to spend this on this memorial boxes. We get to do all these amazing things. Um, you know, woohoo genuinely right so over the moon and then at the same time like why can't i just have a normal birthday party for my kid oh my gosh <laughs> yes yes you know. absolutely absolutely oh you as a mom you have you have gone through some some milestones since the ball yeah i'd love if you feel comfortable for you to share a couple of those and what that has been like and because again, I don't think we can be of service, you know, to other people unless we also like get vulnerable and, and, and say, if you're comfortable, you know, how you navigated these milestones. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest milestone, uh, well, there were two, right? So right before the ball, it was Hallie's second birthday or what would have been her second birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, she's our middle child. So um, it's really interesting as she would get older because I have Brielle who is getting older and then Evan who is now getting older under where Hallie would be. So I'm like watching all these milestones from both ends that she doesn't get to have. And so thinking about her as a two-year-old and what a two-year-old would be doing is tough. It's really 
just heartbreaking that you're missing so much. I think people don't realize that, um, you know, we've talked about how like the natural order of things is that the parents go first. And so when it's out of the natural order, the parent has to think about all of the things we miss. Like it's not just we missed that child in the moment. We lost that child in the moment. We lost that child for a lifetime. For the rest of our lives, every single milestone that comes up is something that we have to then grieve. And obviously, like there's lots of other types of grief, but just the fact that it's out of the natural order. Mm -hmm. It's like our brains are just not set up to even consider that that's a thing. Right. So her second birthday was hard and special because we had the ball. And so that's actually why we do it around her birthday. It, it helps me through, to be perfectly honest, doing something sure in her honor. And I can tell you based on all the other lost parents that I've talked to specifically lost moms, um, everyone is constantly asking, how can I honor my child on their birthday? Right? Like how can I do something to make them proud on what would be their birthday? And so lots of ideas fly around about what we can do you know, a lot of people buy a cake for another child, which we do every year um, at our local bakery. And, uh, you know, you we plant flies, so people release things. We release butterflies. Like, there's all these things that you can do to help yourself survive. <laughs> Although I don't know that you actually survive it, but get through <laughs> to the other side. Right. Um, and then the harder milestone was uh, the anniversary of her passing the two-year anniversary i'm literally already tearing up just saying that phrase because it's so incredibly difficult to believe that it's been two years since and that was recently from this recording yeah, yeah that was just a couple weeks ago um september 8th and you know everyone talks about like the first year being the hardest i don't agree <laughs> um different for you different for me yeah. obviously Everyone has their own grief journey. So in no way am I saying that my journey is like the only way and right. that everyone's wrong. But like for me personally, uh, year two is way harder. And going into year three seems even harder than that. I think it's because year one, I was pretty numb. Um, I was still in shock. I was kind of just going through motions, um, trying to get through I'm not even going to say survive because a part of me didn't. I mean, let's be real. Like a part of me died with her. So, right, right. you know, but I really felt I could feel her more in that first year. And I felt so numb because I was so lost in my grief. Uh, and then year two, like it was put off a little bit for me because I had Evan. And so I had something to focus on. But now that he is over 10 months old and getting close to walking and he's much more independent and you know, I don't have to be as cautious and like worried about every little thing with him anymore. Um, although I still worry way more <laughs> than I probably should. Um, reality hit real hard. It really actually took me by surprise. It kind of was like I was punched in the gut. Um, the numbness wore off. Yes. The numbness wore off. I could feel it all. I feel more distant from Hallie. I think that's just the nature of the beast. I think like when you're, everyone has their own theories about this and everyone has their own experience about it. So again, just me personally, but I believe that when people pass, they stick around in some capacity. And I feel that they are around more in the beginning because they're probably learning the lay of the land wherever they are. 
Um, and they're probably just checking in to make sure you're okay. Right. Like they, they care about you still and they want to make sure you're there, that you're okay. And that you're okay, you know, that they're there and whatever. And then I feel like they have things to do and they know the way I explain it to myself anyway. And again, this is all theory. Um, I believe that if they gave me, if Hallie gave me the big neon signs that I wanted every single day, what purpose would faith have? Hmm. Like if she just showed it all to me, then I wouldn't need faith anymore. And I feel like regardless of what you think happens after you pass, faith can be a way of personal growth. Totally. Um, right. Learning to trust. Yes. And believe and and just have faith. Like that's a big, I don't know, characteristic that I feel like just helps you as a person so much. And so I feel like Hallie probably knows more than I do. Yeah. And if that's gone. Right. You think about like, I agree. I think there's a driving force yeah. behind whatever description you give faith. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Maybe it's for personal growth. Maybe it's for whatever. But there's a driving force behind it. There's some sort of like vibration, energy, frequency. Yes. There's something behind that. Yes. That if if it was gone, yeah. you have to think then what what would push us? Right. What, what wind would come along? Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing if you think about like... I'm going to use this as an example, and Joe's probably going to get mad at me later, but... He's not here. It's okay. <laughs> when we were first dating, um, and I was much more immature in my relationship statuses, you know, I used to be like, you need to be more romantic all the time, right? Like, you should do things romantic for me all the time. And I remember specifically at one point, he was like, if I'm romantic to you all the time, how is it special? Mm. And I was like, oh... That's valid. Kind of made sense. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's true. <clears throat> like, we have to experience bad to appreciate good. We have to have moments of mundane to appreciate special, mm -hmm. you know. And for me, it's the same thing. If Hallie was just there in front of my face and I could touch and hug her all the time, which is God, what I want more than anything. If I had a direct line to the other side, like, where would my faith be? What would push me? What would that motivating factor be? And so I just trust and believe that Hallie and whatever higher power, which I believe is a God, um, but everyone has their own, whatever, whatever you believe is up there, whoever's plan we are a part of, I just believe that they know better mm -hmm. and that I have to trust that I can't always get those signs the way I want. Yeah. And that's hard. And so when reality hit, on September 8th, specifically, one of the things that we tried to do was to give the day new meaning. And so um, year one, uh, I did my maternity shoot for Evan. So I was very pregnant at the point and we released butterflies and this butterfly was around me for an hour and it landed on my head three times, which is Hallie's number. And so I really felt her that day. So I thought, okay, year two, reality's hitting. I got to do something. So we decided to have Evan baptized at the same church where both Hallie and Brielle were baptized and the same church where Hallie was funeralized. Didn't realize how much of a trigger that would be, <laughs> but uh, same deacon and everything. And it was, it was a beautiful experience. But 
we released butterflies afterwards in the square outside the church and nothing special happened. Interesting. I mean, it was special to release butterflies and it was special that Evan was baptized. Right. But like, I didn't get a sign. There wasn't like a magical moment. Right. There was no big neon flashing. The clouds didn't open up and something, something. No. Did you feel gypped? Yeah. Yeah. I felt scared. Mm. Like it would, that feeling wouldn't return. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, I mean, my biggest fear in life, to be perfectly honest, is that I will not see her again. Like that, to me, can't even be an option. I can't handle it. I can't handle never seeing that face or feeling her soul. I can't handle that. And so when those neon signs don't show up in the moments where I feel like I need them the most, I feel like she's gone and I get so angry and so sad. And there are signs all around me all the time. And I know she's not gone. And in fact, that morning, I actually prayed for her to show something to Joe this year. um, Because I know sometimes he feels a little left out. And when he left for work, there was a big rainbow in the sky. And I feel like that was exactly what I prayed for. And so she's probably up there laughing at me right now being like, Mom, I did what you said. Right. (laughs) Like, why are you mad? You asked for one thing. Yeah. (laughs) I did what you asked. Right. Um. But it was really hard to not have that on the day that I felt I really needed it. And that's where the trust comes in and the faith comes in. And I have to believe that it just, I didn't need it the way she thought I needed it that day. That day, apparently I needed to have faith and I still need to have faith. And so I'm struggling. I've been struggling. I've been struggling. (laughs) Sorry, I just miss her. I want the big neon sign. (laughs) So, year two sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you share um, this part of your journey with other families that you talk to about, you know, fearful of the moments going away, fearful of the feelings of their presence going away and are those conversations you've been able to have with with other families going through similar things yeah um so there were a couple families like i said that have helped me through um continue to help me through and when i have a really hard time i can reach out to any one of them And they're right there and they talk me through and they tell me what their experience is because they're ahead of me in the process, right? And then there are families coming up behind me where specifically one that I was recently talking about on here, um, stuff is very fresh for her and she hasn't had any big neon signs yet. And so she reaches out to me quite a bit and asks what my experience was, um, And I do my best to reassure her because I do remember right after Hallie passed, I didn't have any signs for her or at least none that I saw. I might've been honestly too deep in the grief to even notice if it had been there. Um, But I didn't really feel her again until 
I don't remember exactly, but at least weeks or months later, um, I remember having the conversation with my mom who also lost a child, my brother. Um, and I remember being like, why don't I feel her? Where is she? Why isn't she here? Like, did she leave me forever? I mean, I just remember being so terrified and devastated. And my mom said the same thing. It took quite a while because she was so in her grief. Uh, and so I try and reassure the families going through it now that that probably is a very normal thing. I always kind of joke and say, you know, Hallie's probably just showing them around up there. and You know, it will come when you least expect it. And it's not always going to be exactly how you want. Um, sometimes it even comes through other people. Um, and so just kind of like really being open. Mm. In fact, if I'm really honest, uh, I was talking to a family right before Hallie's two year anniversary. And so the, I was having a rough week leading up to it. Oh man. And this person's child had just passed away and she posted about it online. And, uh, she actually texted me a screenshot because it was her, she's going to know exactly that I'm talking about her now, but, um, it was her 333rd post and she had 333 followers. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And she texted me a screenshot of that and said, I know that our two kids are together as I know three is Hallie's thing. Right, right. And it just, I must have sobbed for like an hour. Oh, I'm sure. It touched my heart so much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like we can talk about all this stuff. We can be vulnerable with each other. I will say it. 10 million times. This is the absolute worst club to ever be in the club of child loss. You don't want to be in it ever, but it legit has the best members. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people are just incredible human beings. Um, and so I hate the way that we met, but I'm so glad that we did. Yeah. Yeah. I also, you know, want to mention uh, those who are maybe going through something and uh, experiencing loss in that nature, they are welcome to reach out. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly, we have all of the available information in the show notes. Uh, if you look at those, that would be the place to go to uh, help purchase a memorial box. That would be the place to go to help just make a donation in general. Uh, if you want to reach out to Anne and have a conversation, um, she's always open to that. And that would be a place to do all of that. And speaking of social media. Yeah. <laughs> I... I I'm interested to know what has, you are so beautifully vulnerable and Thank not you. only on this podcast, but in so many areas of your life. And I know that it's so, it's very difficult for, for you to do that. I know that it is at times difficult to watch, read, yeah. hear. Yeah. Megan and I are dear, dear friends of you guys now. And, and we love sitting across from you. We love having conversations with you, deep, hard, happy, sad, all the things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the conversations around loss and grief and all of that are, are so difficult yeah. to hear, to, I'm sure on you yeah. to say, obviously, yeah. all the things. You are still that vulnerable and that uh, open on social media. And that's yeah. been something that you have uh, wanted to do so yeah. that you can be of service and comfort and all the things. And I'm curious, what has been the hardest thing for you regarding being 
vulnerable like that? Number one question. And number two, what kind of response and feedback do you get (laughs) from the public? Those are great questions. So the hardest thing, obviously, is just like for anybody being vulnerable is you're putting yourself out there. So you're going to open yourself up to any kind of response. Um, I will say in general, the people who have followed our journey from the beginning and those that continue to join in our journey um, have been so well-intentioned and so kind and supportive. Like we really haven't had, knock on wood, (laughs) any major issues with anybody. Um, And so it's been a very safe space for me, which has been so healing but I always get a little anxious before I hit post. Sure. Right around the milestone this year of her second year transition date. I got a little bit more vulnerable than I'd been in a while. Um, Most of my posts are like real, you know, but I always feel like I have to sandwich them a little bit. Like I have to put, because it can be so hard for people to hear or read or whatever. Sometimes I feel like I have to also talk about some of the positive stuff. Like it's been a while since I've just been deep in my grief. And so I made a post the day of, so September 8th, I made a post about this song that I had been listening to, which is by a Christian artist called Plum. Um, And I put the lyrics up there And basically my post was, you know, every single other day I fight, I get out of bed, I play with my kids, I work on the nonprofit, I do my full-time job, I get up and I do things to make Hallie proud. Today I grieve. And the responses were interesting. Nothing, nothing malintent. Like there was no, everybody was trying really hard to just you know, be there and supportive, but I definitely got more comments on that post that was like, you're so blessed to have the two living children that you do, or you've done such good things with your nonprofit, like basically really great compliments and accurate, right? But not just allowing me to be in the feeling in the moment. Like it was, I could tell it, it hit people different and it was probably too hard for some people to read or to see that I was going through that. And so they were trying to build me up. And while I appreciate that, because I know that that came from such a good place, I just needed to be in my feelings. Mm. I needed for it to be okay that I didn't have my stuff together right? on that day. Yeah. Right. Like I needed to just be human and wallow mm-hmm. and be in despair for a minute. I needed that break. And so it was, I don't want to say hurtful because no one intended to hurt me, but it was like a little painful to see that I couldn't 100% open up about that day. And it's like, okay, well, apparently I have to still sandwich my stuff. Um, And I get it. I get it. I mean, I have a hard time reading some stuff online too. I understand that it can be really difficult And I like to see positive outcomes or like what people are doing. I mean, I get that that makes it easier to stomach. And at the same time, as the griever, (laughs) I wanted to just be able to grieve. Yeah. I wanted to just be sad. I wanted to be able to like scream out into the ether, which I did in my car 
on the way from dropping Brielle off at preschool, um, at the top of my lungs and cried out and just like, you know, the saying it's okay to not be okay. Like mm-hmm. I needed that to be okay. Right. And so it just, I guess maybe the, the emotion I felt was a little disappointed. And it's a lesson I think for some of us, because, you know, I, and I know I'm, you know, I'm speaking for a bigger eye too, because I know that there are many, many people out there that, that are, are supporters uh, and, and that are listening to this podcast that might not even live in this community and, and Georgia and, and that sort of thing and want to be supporters. And yet it's, I think there are these moments we get in as, as onlookers to that. And we say, we just want to help and fix the yes. pain. Yes. And there's this, and, and, and I'll ask you to also uh, continue to wear your therapist hat. There's this moment in the pain, yeah. in the grief, in the vulnerable, really heavy conversation that someone gives, whereas the onlooker, you really just want to pour water on it. You want to put out the fire. You want to grab a Band-Aid. <laughs> you want to be, stop yes. bleeding. Yes. You want to do that. Feel better. Yes. yes. And so I think what happens is that we throw those words and phrases at you of like, but remember, right. Even though you've lost, but remember your dot, 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 dot. And you know, that, that might work great, you know, for some people and that, but that might not be the best way to respond in those moments. Yeah. Cause it just can be a little invalidating. Yeah. And again, I know it's not intended to be that. I have said things like that in my past. I mean, I think that's like human nature, right? So you're right. It's like, there's nothing bad or wrong with anyone who writes that they are trying so hard to make me feel better. And that makes me feel so loved and cared for. And (laughs) it can be invalidating. It actually reminds me a lot of um, raising my oldest daughter right now. So, um, you know, Brielle. Uh, (laughs) she's quite the personality. She really is. Um, and she's grieving a lot. She is having a hard time. She's only four and a half. She doesn't understand and she misses her sister. And so we're going through a whole, that's a whole other topic. But recently, um, I have been doing some research on how to be the best parent to her because I am an adult psychologist. Let's be clear. (laughs) I took child development, but that was a very long time ago. Um, I am not well-trained in this. So and when it's your own kid, it's also very different. Oh, yeah. Right. Because your own emotions are yeah. involved. Um, so I have been a little lost with her and and struggled to connect. And recently I was watching something, I think, where it talked about some of the phrasing that parents use can also be invalidating. So, like if your kid, just as a benign example, if your kid has a hard day at school and couldn't read as well as other kids or something, the phrase oh, you're so good at reading or, oh, you'll pick it up in the future. Don't worry, blah, blah. You're trying really hard to help your child, but all they feel is that their emotions aren't valid. Right. 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 And so what you were supposed to do, according to this person that I saw this thing on, is not join them and wallow in it, but just say, that must've been really hard for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Do you want to talk about that? You know, basically just allowing them to feel frustrated or sad or disappointed or 
embarrassed or whatever it might be and just letting them know I'm here to sit with you in that emotion and help you get through it together. Yeah. And that relates here. Yeah. Right. Um, so like some of the best comments I've ever gotten or the best gestures I've ever gotten in my grief have been people that have just said, do you want me to just come sit with you? Or do you want me to just sit on the phone with you? Like we can be quiet. Like we don't even have to talk, but like I'm here for whatever you're feeling. You can feel complete despair and I'm not going to try and cheer you up. I'm just going to sit with you in that emotion. And then when you're ready, I will be the hand that you can hold to pull you out of that hole. Yeah. Um, that's a hard thing to do. So in no way am I saying that this is an easy thing to offer, but it is a really validating, helpful, um, caring thing to do. And sometimes I don't even remember to do it. But if someone is looking for that or how to respond, like literally just saying, it's okay to not be okay. And I'm here no matter what you feel. That's it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to understand. You don't have to try and therapize. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Fix it. Yeah. Um, you just don't have to grab the band-aids. No. Stop. The don't reading. have to throw the water. Yes. No, you just have to like allow that discomfort to remain. Yeah. That's a hard space for people to be in, but it can be really, really helpful to the person grieving. Yeah. Super hard for a lot of people to be yeah. in that. But, you know, God, that does feel good to have mm -hmm. to have the immediate right now emotions seen by another person. Yes. There's something so That's the word. comforting yes. about that. Yeah. Being able to, to be seen and accepted, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For exactly where you're at. No judgment. No judgment. Oh, so good. Like that's such a relief mm -hmm. for somebody who feels so alone in all this. Yeah, no doubt. I know we're going to talk more about um, grief and yes. the grieving process and, and, and whatnot in another episode too. So I'm, I'm very excited to have that. Not excited to have that conversation. I know what you mean. But I, <laughs> I think it's an important it's conversation. It's an important conversation. Yes, yeah. it really is. Um Thank you for being vulnerable in this episode. Yeah. Um, I know that you're always um, you're always vulnerable. You're always open, and um, and I, I know it's it's a lot to be that. <laughs> so, I'm going to be lot. very exhausted tomorrow. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, what do you? I'll end on this. Yeah. For you as a mom who has lost a child in this life. I know you have not lost her completely by any stretch. Right. But for you as a mom, what would be what would be something that you would want people to know that would help carry her spirit on, would help carry her legacy on? What would you tell people this is something they can do or this is something that you would want them to know that would help just carry that butterfly even higher and higher. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's a loaded question. D. <laughs> There's a lot of things people can do. Um, but I think ultimately, I think the main thing I would want people to do is just to want to live like Hallie. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, she was three months old. Like, <laughs> how do you even know? You know, I know. We've talked about this before. I know her. I know her deeply. Um, right. Because take out the age. Yeah. What, what would be the characteristics you would say? Exactly. 
Exactly. She would be compassionate and strong and wise and um, observant and fearless. Mm. Um, And just, I don't even know. There's like a term for her that I can't put into words, but she had such an impact on people around her. Like she had such a presence about her that even people who only saw her through pictures have been impacted for the rest of their lives. Right. So like she just was this pure light. And so ultimately everything that I ever ask people to do in her memory is pure light. Mm. I want people to help others. I want people to show strength I want people to fight for this cure, obviously, <laughs> you know, help us in any way that you can um, so that no other family has to go through this. I want people to connect. I I want just, I want the world to be a better place because of her. And so anything that is of pure light reminds me of Hallie. And that is what I would want people to do. I want people to share her story. I want people to do things and say, I'm doing this because of this little girl that I heard about. And I want to make your life better because she would want to make everyone's life better. Like that's just, and I know it probably sounds really cheesy (laughs) as I say that out loud. Um, but I genuinely mean it. Like she was the purest soul. And I just know like her heart was so good. That's why we call her our angel. I really do feel like she, like, you know, there's that saying of like, how many people have really held a real angel in their arms? Um, I feel like we did. And I'm not saying that as like a technicality of like how it all works up there. I don't know. Um, but she was pure light. That's all I can say is just she was this incredible person. And I would love for that to be her legacy, to just make things better for others. That's it. That's it. In a nutshell. Yeah. Big nutshell. But Big nutshell. <laughs> Broad <laughs> nutshell. And, and you're right. Just full of light. And, yeah. And full of great energy and just full of all the good things. Full of grace. Yeah. Full of grace. Exactly. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your story um, continuously on this podcast and out in public and on social media. Thank you for sharing hers. Um, thank you for sharing her with us and the world. Thank, thank you. you for helping. Yeah. Yeah. It's so rewarding to know that we can all do something with the journey for a cure for EB. If you're asking yourself, but how can I help? Then you've come to the right place. Wouldn't that feel amazing to know you were helping families just like Ann and Joe's? Helping families around the world. HallieFlies.com. That's H-A-L-L-I-E flies.com, HallieFlies.com. Go to the website, make a donation. Every donation gets us closer. How else can you help? Share this episode with someone you know. We are more hopeful than ever that a much needed cure is in reach.